I really like the book of Hebrews, uh, and especially chapter 4, because it speaks to me of victorious living, of entering the rest that is brought by allowing the Spirit of Christ to control my life. But Hebrews 4 also contains a warning. The first 11 verses make reference to the failure of the Israelites to enter the promised land on the first attempt because of their disobedience fueled by their unbelief. They had the power of the Almighty God on their side. They had his promise of support to gain the victory. They'd recently witnessed his incredible power in their exit from Egypt and in ensuing conflicts. Yet they still failed to live into his promises because of their unbelief. And Hebrews chapter 4 is a reminder that the same can happen to us. I mean, we've got the power of the Almighty God on our side. We've got the promise of his support to gain the victory. But in the same way, our unbelief can hinder us from entering into all that God has planned for us. Hebrews 4.9 states, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the Israelites' example of disobedience. What this is saying to me is, for all of us who are working so hard to try to live the Christian life, there's a better way. Stop trying and start allowing Stop trying to produce the Christian life, the results on your own, and start allowing the Holy Spirit to produce those through you. Hebrews chapter 4 is telling us to rest from our work. And moving on to our primary text today, it's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and there it states, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So I was really hoping to come up with some new creative insight into this passage uh, when I studied it. So I looked up the words in the original language, and guess what? Nothing was lost in the translation. It means just what it says. Now, in other places in Scripture, such as the Gospel of John, the Word of God can also refer to Jesus Christ. And so verse 12 can mean the Spirit of Christ is living and active, judging the thoughts and attitudes. And indeed, the Spirit of Christ is in Scripture. The Spirit of Christ is in this message God's given us. And this fits nicely with uh, the first 11 verses. But in general, when we think of the Word of God... What it refers to is what God has revealed to mankind. What God has revealed to mankind. That's uh, revelation. And that does include Christ. He's a form of God's revelation to us. We know that God has been revealed to us through nature, through the Savior, and through the Word of God, the Scripture that He's given us. So today, we are looking for God's revelation to us through Scripture. Now, when the book of Hebrews was written, there was no New Testament, just what we now refer to as the books of the Old Testament. 
But that does not mean that only the words of the Old Testament have living and active power of God. Since the writing of the book of Hebrews, we've been blessed with additional revelation. And so we can appropriately include the New Testament in the spirit of this verse. All of this is to say that the Bible contains a message that is alive and active. It's sharper than the sharpest blade. It separates and discerns our innermost thoughts and intentions with the ease of a butcher cutting up meat. That's Hebrews 4.12. And reading on into verse 13, we are reminded that nothing is hidden from God's sight and that we will be called on to give an explanation for what he has seen in us. Basically, these verses are saying, what have you done with the life I've given you? What have you done with the life I've given you? After being exposed to Scripture for a lifetime, it can be easy to forget that it is a living revelation. It's not just a record of history. The words when applied to our lives are just as powerful and effective as when they were first penned under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The fact that it is living does not mean that it changes with the times, as some might claim. It does not mean that it is open to new interpretations based on the mores of current culture. It means that it is alive and it is relevant, as Sherry pointed out. It's not a dead manuscript that lost its relevance generations ago. And the fact that it is active means that it will act upon anyone who is exposed to it as long as they have a teachable heart. If you read scripture with the attitude of Lord speak to me, he will. If you take to heart the things he speaks to you about, your life will change in amazing ways. This is why the Hebrew writer cautions earlier in the chapter, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Now, as I thought about how to drive home this message, uh, I thought about some of the famous atheists like C.S. Lewis, uh, Lee Strobel, who became Christians after studying the Bible. But I felt called on to take a more personal approach. I mean, you can Google uh, Lee Strobel or C.S. Lewis anytime you'd like and you can read about their testimony but if you Google Mark Schwarting you're not going to find anything like that. I came to Christ when I was 12 years old. Since that time I have experienced God's word, his word being active and living in my life and so I've decided to share a few of those personal experiences with you. You know, I've been born again for over 50 years. I should have something to show for it, shouldn't I? I should. So I'm going to share some of those things with you. Many times I have found the Word of God to be living and active in my life as a source of encouragement for others. I work with a uh, woman named Abby, and one day I ask her, is Abby your full name, first name, or is it a short for something else? And she says, well, it's short for Abigail, but I don't like that name. And I said, you don't? I said, Abigail's the only woman in the Old Testament that was lauded for both her intelligence and her beauty. And she says, yeah, but she left her husband and married somebody else. And I said, you really need to go back and you need to read the, the account uh, from Samuel 
again. And uh, I said, she was married to an idiot. His name was Nabal. His name meant fool, and that's what he was. And she rescued him several times, and eventually his foolishness killed him. And it was only after that that she became David's wife. I said, go back and look at it. So a week later, she approached me and she said, you know, I went and looked at that story, and you're right. Abigail is a beautiful name. And she was greatly encouraged instead of discouraged by the name that her mom gave her. Uh, I've also used the words of Boaz to encourage someone in this congregation. Um, When I first started dating my wife, we have an obvious age difference. I mean, and as I continue to get older, she doesn't, so it becomes even more obvious. And uh, in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 10, Boaz told Ruth, he said, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. So uh, I'd like to think that I use these words to encourage my wife to step out in faith and say yes to me when I proposed to her. And uh, we got such a chuckle out of that, we even put it in our programs when we got married. Lord bless you, you didn't chase after the younger men, you went for me, awesome. I found many times where the word of God was living and active in my life uh, as a comfort. In my first marriage, uh, we'd been married about five years, and we were ready to start having children. And my wife had several miscarriages. It is devastating. I mean, you go to the hospital for an operation, you come home empty-handed, and her heart was just broken. And that's when I came across Psalm 113. And in Psalm 113 it says, Praise ye the Lord, praise O your servants of the Lord, Praise ye the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is likened to the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and the earth? He raised up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes of his people. And I memorized in King James because I love that part. He raised up the poor out of the dust and lifted the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman to keep house and to be the joyful mother of children. I saw that verse and I thought, this is the God I serve. He's able to do this. And so I started praying that for our marriage. And God heard that prayer and he gave us three wonderful sons. We named the first son Jason, after Jason from the chapter of Acts or from the book of Acts. Uh, he was he had a house church that met its place, and the name Jason means healer, and that's what God was doing in our relationship by giving us children. The first time I ever got on an airplane, I flew to El Paso, Texas. At that time, I hadn't been out of Nebraska very much, and I went down there to. Uh, moved my job actually to El Paso and uh, we were in very highly technical stuff and so I spent several weeks down there setting up machines that involved lasers and testing and getting processes going the way they'd been working in Norfolk, Nebraska 
And uh, I didn't know anything about the Spanish language at that point, and so I mispronounced all the words, and people thought that was pretty funny, and I was alone. And one Sunday morning, I, uh, I was feeling really alone, and I came across Psalm 61. And it says, Hear my cry, O Lord. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. That's where I felt. To me at that point, El Paso, Texas was the end of the earth. <laughs> I found out since then it's not. But uh, at that point it was. Uh, from the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and seek refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O Lord. You have given me the inheritance of those who fear your name. This was written by King David. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then will I ever sing praise to your name and fulfill my vows my vows day after day. So that psalm at that point was a great comfort to me. I've also had many times where I found the word of God to be living and active, bringing correcting and training in righteousness into my life. As uh, it says in 1 Timothy, we talked about last week. Bringing, correcting, and training in righteousness as a man, I've struggled with lust, like most of us do. And so I memorized 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. It says, It's the Lord's will that you be holy, that you avoid sexual immorality, that each of you learn to control his body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust, like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong their brother or sister or take advantage of them. For the Lord will punish Men, for all such sins, as we've already told you and warned. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects his instruction does not reject man, but he rejects God, who has given you the Holy Spirit. I couldn't fathom the thought of life without the Holy Spirit, of life without God. And so I took this passage to heart, and I go back to it again and again as I'm tempted the Lord's will that you be holy, that you avoid sexual immorality. Each of you learn to live their lives in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the rest of the world. It's an important passage to me. I've had times where I've been called, I felt called to stand up for what's right. Sometimes I was standing alone. And there's a right way to do that in a wrong way. And a lot of times, I didn't choose the right way. But God has given us instruction in how to do that in 2 Timothy 2, where it says the Lord's, it's the, Lord's, uh, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hopes that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. When you understand that the whole agenda of our enemy, Satan, is to destroy us, 
to destroy our families, to destroy our friends. It gives you the courage to stand for what's right. But this verse also gives us the way to do it with kindness, to do it in love. And so I continue to work on that one, but that passage of Scripture is important to me. I went through a period in my life where I, I experienced a lot of rejection. And rejection is one of the most painful uh, one of the most painful things you can experience not physically but mentally and uh, I got to the point where I was wondering if I was even lovable maybe I had a lot of problems and so I went to the, the chapter on love 1 Corinthians 13 I'm not going to quote it all but uh, beginning with verse 4 there's a definition for love there love is patient, love is kind it does not envy, it does not boast not proud. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I started running my life through that barometer and seeing how I responded to others. And I felt like God used that chapter to fix some things in my life that made me unlovable. And I've got living proof of that because I have a, a lovely wife who uh, expresses unconditional love to me even when I mess up. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that dish, definition of love that God has given that I could uh, go to. It's interesting how the enemy throws things at us to get us off track. And one of the things he uses on me a lot of times actually is political stuff. And I find myself drawn into it and I get upset and I'm afraid there's bias and that we're not hearing the whole story and things. And uh, one day I was reading and I came across Luke chapter 12. And in verse 1 it says, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. So I started praying, which is the best thing we can do any time, but especially uh, when we're distraught. And I start praying that what is done in secret by our leaders in this country would be shouted from the housetops, that they would be held accountable. And uh, I continue to, to pray that. I also realized, even as I was reviewing this message, that it, that's true for me too, that whatever I would try to do in secret and hide, God can have that shouted from the housetops too. One last thing, as far as Scripture being living and active in my life. Um, I was blessed with an amazing metabolism. I could burn calories like wood up until I was in my 60s. I was thin, and I took full credit for that. Well, Proverbs 16:18 says, Pride goes before a fall, and a haughty spirit before destruction. And when COVID hit, I quit riding my, my, my bicycle 15 miles round trip to work. 
And I started putting on weight, and I put on about 25 pounds. And uh, I started to understand where people that had a hard time losing weight were coming from. And one of the things that, well, I, I decided, well, I'm going to lose this, right? So I started watching what I ate closer, and I started to try to exercise a little more, and I wasn't losing any weight at all. And God spoke to me through his word, through this passage, and he's saying, you took the fact that I gave you an amazing metabolism, and you said that you did that. And it wasn't until I confessed that and my prejudice towards people who are overweight. I mean, I'm embarrassed, but yes, that's true. I was prejudiced against, against people who were overweight. It wasn't until I confessed that that I started being able to lose a little weight, and I've dropped 15 pounds since then, but not until I was obedient to God's word there. In chapter 3 and 4 of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer references the crippling unbelief that prevented the nation of Israel from triumphantly entering the promised land. We all know those stories. I mean, they had the Lord God Almighty with them. All they had to do was fall in the cross of Jordan River and take the land, and they didn't do it. The consequences of that unbelief was the path of wandering in the desert for 40 years. For 40 years, an entire nation put on hold. 40 years with nothing to show for it, but wandering in a desert. And he shares this as an example to us to warn about not living into all that God has provided us through the person of his son, Jesus Christ, as revealed to us in his word. The word of God is a living and powerful force. And God has given it to us to direct, comfort, and sustain us. And ultimately, it becomes the measuring stick of our belief and obedience to God. The Word of God becomes a measuring stick of our belief and our obedience. In chapter 3, Hebrews 3, verse 12, the Hebrew writer said, Take care against having a heart of unbelief. A lack of faith will prevent us from experiencing all that God has prepared for us. But God's word is also a source of assurance. It's an assurance for those who are believing and obeying. Assurance of love, guidance, and protection in this life. And of eternal life with him to follow. <clears throat> 